because we don't get a chance to chat too often because you're on the road so much being a big uh, Canadian star. So, you know, you being <laughs> yeah. a Calgary, a Calgary known uh, comedian. I know you started it, your comedy life here by just going into a comedy shop, not telling anybody and you just did it to get that first nerve out. Mm -hmm. But I know that you're from the, uh, the East um and you had a lot of struggles there being you know diverse and different and canadian and trying to be a comedian but uh when i first met you for the audience um i think i was at the time be doing um sa uh, liquor sampling and, yeah. and you had come in uh and i had recognized you right away because you were on a billboard or something for yuck yucks or laugh or laugh shop i can't remember which one but i had seen you like prior or something and then you'd walked in the store and i thought this like comedy god walking in what oh, and i think God. we took a selfie or something and then I, forever since then, <laughs> i've been following you uh. and then when you landed um this hour is 22 minutes your whole life changed like you just you became like well known and like from calgary so i always am really excited to promote you because you're diverse you're unique and you did it on your own and you give a lot of advice to others so that's kind of why i wanted to hop on see how you're doing during this time but also share with you um how much fun we had last time when we worked together yeah no thanks so much for that it's uh as you know, like just in this creative entertainer world, it's such a road of ups and downs. And so I'm just grateful that I was been able to, to level out and just kind of enjoy the process of making things and creating and podcasting, stand up, doing sketches and 22 minutes and all that stuff, but trying to just find some semblance of happiness in it, as opposed to all the validation being out in the world and you're waiting to be chosen and told you're amazing and all this stuff because all that stuff comes and goes. So I'm just grateful that I was able to kind of go inside and figure out, okay, well, what do I want to do? What makes me happy? And those are small things, like small, For tangible things. Yeah, you know, but we can get caught yeah. up in all that. Yeah, we get caught up in all the outside stuff and it's, it happens to everybody, not just people in our field. You know, it happens to people, you know, outside waiting for that good word from the boss or waiting for, you know, the acknowledgement on the clothes you're wearing. And it's like, it just never fills the hole. So I think that's been the biggest journey. But how about you? Like, you know, you, you have a lot of stuff going yeah. on. So like, you're like, you're acting, you're producing, you have how, what has that journey been like for you? Like, when did you start down this road? Well, I think you could appreciate it because you know, like you, you had to do your own comedy skits for so long and still do, apparently. I didn't know that. I thought being on 22 Minutes, you had, like, the time of your life, you walk in, you do your thing. But no, you're a part of writing your own skits sometimes with Mark Critch and, yeah. and the other of the gang. Yeah. Um, same thing with me. I think people have a misconception. Like I said, I watch, listen to your podcast about questions people had asked you um, about your comedy and making it on your own podcast, the Generators podcast, which we're listening to. And it was really exciting to hear that. I think audiences should, to get to know you, should really listen to it as well, because you talk a lot about making it and still you're grinding as, as hard as you were before you made it on This Hour Has 22 Minutes. But it's like, 
your comedy um, shows that you have, it's like the same path that any artist walks, right? You try to build the connections is the biggest thing that I think people forget half the time working on your craft and then uh, actually being able to do it and get paid for it. Yeah. So where I'm at is I'm always been indie, like not that I want to be, you know, I'm, I would love to be like ACTRA and unions and all that. Actually this year I became a Canadian Screen Awards member as a TV performer. All right, cool, congrats, congrats. Yeah, so for me in Alberta, that's like a big deal. Most of the people I promoted it to were like, huh? Oh, whatever. Like they didn't really <laughs> like know anything about it. I was like, people in Toronto will think that's really big, I swear. Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. it's huge. Like it's like being in the union of Canadian actors. It's a big deal. But for Alberta, we have Actra, as you probably know. Yeah. But uh, the magazine and acting like, always hustling to meet people you know find that job myself a lot of the time i do have an agent carla brown i think you might know her mm -hmm. um uh but yeah i'm just doing indies i do a magazine is what i'm most known for um giving back with my uh, pretend journalism skills my parents <laughs> have degrees so i thought that's good enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's contagious you just just yeah it's a family thing they pass down you're like okay this is my degree now thank you so much yeah no it's like a hack even today i think my parents are like jill check your spelling Ugh. like it's, <laughs> it's always a problem you know i'm like oh sorry guys like but i'm yeah. an independent businesswoman and i started that kind of around the same time I met you actually, like when I was doing sampling, uh, I was doing that still to um, get into doing art full time. Mm -hmm. And so I did that as a very side job, trying to do this TV show, Go Fish, that I, I don't know, is like my first lead big role uh, to this day, uh, one of my best roles. And since then, I've just always made my own. Right, yeah. Uh, well, that's, I think that's amazing. I mean, you've never had any shortage of hustle. And I think in this, no, and I mean, like, you know, you need talent, no doubt about it, but you also need that sense of resilience of like, all right, I'm going to go. And I always tell people all the time, like, if what you, the project you're doing or working on now, and then you launch it and you put it out in the world, whether it's a massive success by your standards or it's a flop by your standards, the work the next day is the same. You just move on to the next project. So it doesn't, you don't hang your hat on like, okay, that thing worked and I sit back and I bask in the glow of this thing that I did one time. It's like, <laughs> that's what people think. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like the one hit wonder who the, the band who puts the song out and goes, yeah, I guess we'll live off that forever. It's like, no, you just keep putting out work and keep creating. And I think, you know, you've always done that. You've always found new things to get involved in. And so you're not sitting around waiting to be chosen all the time. I think. No, always, yeah. no one ever choose me. Believe me, I only have a few good qualities. So it's kind of like, oh, I don't know. Like, no, I think it's, 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 it's a marathon. It really is. Like it's a marathon of, of, life, um, yeah. of life and career, you know, because the timeline we have in our head as to when we think things are going to unfold and happen, it's like, that has nothing to do yeah. with it, you know? So it, it's. It's just yeah. one of those, it's one of those things, but enjoying the work. That's why that's so important because the outside stuff is going to come and go, you know? I know. I think I'm learning that along success as that I am getting. I don't know if, 
Because talking to people who are in the indie industry, for sure, I can be like, girl, I've been in the newspaper, I've been on the radio. Like, I can, like, say (laughs) that. But to people, like, who are really famous, I'm just like, I've been in nothing. I've never done anything. (laughs) Because comparatively, right, like, I always feel really ridiculous to, like, put myself up and say I'm doing something big or whatever. Like, to somebody like you, that it's like, uh, you see in the commercials, like, every day. But um, I don't know. I, I really like what you said about um, about previous interviews or whatever, how you said that um, even when you've been on like stage with Jerry D or something, it never really changed your life like monetarily and the way people truly look at you and how they behave to you. Mm-hmm. It takes a longevity of like people relying on you and knowing you can do the craft and knowing you're there for the long haul and getting in with the right people for a long time until you get that name that hey he's somebody like Mm -hmm. you said that you've been doing this for 15 years around there yeah 16 years now yeah so i want to know to the fans like for for real like how is somebody like you uh you're a tall good looking funny alberta uh you're out west and no newfoundland yeah yeah, that's such a life to get to where you are now and actually it brought you back to your area where you are in halifax where you guys film yeah yeah it's all circle like it's meant to be i think this path for you yeah well i think it's thank you i think it's one of those things that i've embraced over the last bunch of years of you know, you really don't have that much control. You can control so many things, like your work ethic, your attitude, um, make it an effort every single day. And at the end of the day, things are going to happen for you or not happen for you. And, you know, what you think is a loss on Tuesday, that same loss might look different by Saturday. You're like, oh, that thing that I thought sucked and was such a detriment. Now I'm like, Oh, that actually helped me out because I learned a lesson from that failure. And now, so I've always been able to flip that around and kind of also look at the people around me and learn from their mistakes or their successes as well. And kind of what they, what they've been doing with their life. Um, But I think over the years, I just, like I said, learned to not ride that roller coaster of that emotional up and down of everything else that goes on in your life, because you don't control so much of that. You know, when you're chosen by a network to do something or, chosen for a comedy festival or whatever it is, you don't really control that. You just put your work out in the world and they like it or they don't. And there's lots of times they don't, you know? And, and so then are, am I less of an artist now because they didn't like it? Am I less of a person because somebody who was in a boardroom that I'm never going to meet didn't like my work or my video? Like, so, you know, you, you can't, you can't hang on a thread like that all the time. So I think being able to navigate that has helped me a lot and just continuing to enjoy that small stuff of process and the work and, and learning and growing still, like still not feeling like I have it all figured out, which is fine. I don't think you ever get it all figured out. So just embracing that. And that's, I think that's been part of my journey to allow me to be resilient, you know? Yeah. You're like the most positive guy out of Calgary and, and you have reason to be for sure. But in your, in your other uh, interviews, you do say that this, there's struggles. You know, you have to write your own material all the time. You have to be traveling a lot and alone. I know mm-hmm. you have a dog I see on social media. I want to get into that. 
Yeah. How do you have a pet when you're traveling so much? How do you make that work? Yeah, so like we have a, I have a good relationship with my ex, so we co-parent the dog. So when I'm not around, she's got him. It's, we treat him like a kid. It's like, okay, you got the dog? Yeah, good. How's he doing? FaceTime. All right, what's going on, buddy? And then when I'm back, it's like, okay, I got the dog. And so there it goes the other way. So that works out really, really well. But also during this pandemic, like having the dog for like those alternate weeks is so nice because it's just like a dog is just like simple in their needs and it's like just relaxing to pet a dog and your blood pressure lowers and I'm like, so I'm grateful to have them around during those weeks that I have them because it, it, like I said, it just simplifies, it just simplifies life in general, you know? So I think everyone during this pandemic should have some animal access at some point. That's funny that you say that, man. I have been very much so obsessing about getting a, um, Mini, a, yeah, camera girl. Uh, a teacup, <laughs> Yorkie. Nice. I really want a small ass dog. Like I don't want to be Paris Hilton, girl. If I was, I wouldn't mind. Right. But, you know, it's the aspect of having a small dog that can travel with you. I mm -hmm. think makes it where it's like doesn't ruin your life. But that's exactly what I've been going through. Is like this loneliness and sadness and sleeping a lot like for real i'll tell people that like there's been a lot the struggle is real yeah yeah where it's yeah, like days yeah. where you feel like you don't have worth of why you're getting up anymore yeah. no one cares about you know you get one light yeah you know it's it's yeah. just a life's changing you know, that everybody's inside but yeah, I've been thinking about getting a dog. So it's good advice. You're the only one that has said that. And I have said to many people, no, I think I should. I think it's good for my mental health. And they say, no, don't do it. It's a lot of work. But yeah. we'll see what happens. You'll it's, be the first to know. I'll let that, you know. Nice. It still is a lot of work, but I think it's definitely worth it on, on many levels. One of the things I will say too about this whole self-isolation thing, and I, I get that, like, that sense of like, just want to stay in bed all day and just like, oh God, like, what's the point of anything? I think the point I got to with this was, what if you took everything away? Who am I? So if you took away your stand up, you took away your ability to be on a TV show, if you took it all away, like, there's that, that thing of like, just sitting with who you are as a person. And that's like, can be unnerving for people because we bury ourselves in our work and what we're trying to create. And, this next project and it's like okay but like that's not who you are that's just stuff you do but like now you're forced to sit yeah. with like who am i like what am i doing with my life and like so i think that can be uncomfortable for people that's if you're point. not yeah <laughs> that topic that you are talking about could be a book on its yeah. own yeah because the amount of people i know now that you interview and that i interview that's what I love to get to know about somebody the most yeah. is if internally they're happy, if they're fulfilled, what, what they need from me when they come to me saying, I need your media or, you know, whatever they need out of me, you know, multiple things people need out of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> contacts or whatever, yeah. you know, acting. but it's like, I always see like the high powered people, unless like they're married and happily married or whatever, they're always still searching. I always look at them like, you have everything. You have a house, you have kids, you have a dog, you have fame, you have money, mm -hmm. you have like a legacy. Like, what are you worried about? Yeah. But internally without, you know, somebody next to you when you win that award, 
somebody to be able to like go that journey with and say, like, even if it's just a friend to be able to like say all the things that happened to you throughout and ride that journey with them. Because I think when you become successful like yourself, um, people act differently toward you, right? Like, and they want something from you. So it's just like, how do you know that anyone's ever being genuine and getting to know Trent? Right. Like the people you knew before you made it, uh, I, I are the people that I hold dear to or the people that said yes to me before I like was on a big thing. Right. So it's kind of like you see people who they are through who they work with, how they treat you through going up. Like how many times have you been through where somebody didn't believe in you and then you see them again and they're like, like, you know, don't know what to do with themselves and then pretend like they always supported you. Like there's a lot of that element going on with happiness with, with being an entertainer. I think that's the most concern people should worry about being an entertainer is continually keeping grounded and mentally happy. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's an inside job, you know, because I can't, you can't control what other people think or don't think. And even like not going too hard either way where you're like, you know, if someone's singing your praises, it's like not, it's like not, um, sorry, my phone is blowing up here. Uh, it's he's like, famous, guys. He's famous. <laughs> no, he's it, people. That's yeah. a jingle. It's, it's not, it's not um, believing that praise too much either. Also not believing the negative too much. You know, like with social media now, it's like, oh, this video is awesome. Or this guy sucks. It's like the pendulum swings both ways. So if you're going to believe one, then you're also going to believe the other because you're putting so much, so much, um, you know, uh, effort into what other people are saying about you. So it's like just getting quiet inside and realizing like, yeah, I have a job like anybody else, but it doesn't mean automatically you're a good person. You know, so that's what I, that's what I think this pause has been about. It's like, I'm going to take everything else away from you. And then what are you left with? Who are you as a person? Like forget your career, forget your job. Who are you as an individual? And I think you have to sit in that and kind of embrace what that is. So that's kind of how I've been approaching it as opposed to I'm this comedian or I'm this actor or whatever. It's like, they're just titles and jobs. They don't, at the end of the day, none of it will matter, you know? So that's where I've been trying to boil it down to that, you know? Who do you, how do you want people to, you know, of course there's an element of like people treating you like a celebrity that keeps you a celebrity, to be honest with you. And when you're in that world and in that moment of when it, what it looks like to other, others, how they're treating you, but how do you want people to treat you and look at you like as Trent? I just want to be normal. Like I don't particularly want to be going out places and you're like, you get, Oh, someone recognized you. Not that it's like a bad thing, but it's not something you look for every single day or you're hoping that happens. Like, I just look at myself as someone who creates stuff and then it goes out in the world and you just move about your day. Like someone asked me that once, how do you want to be remembered? And I was like, I think I'd rather be just remembered as someone who was kind, you know, like it's, it's because everything else is subjective. Like the funniest person, the greatest actor, the best writer, you know, the greatest athlete, people sit around discussing this stuff over beers and wine, like for the rest of their lives, you know? So trying to achieve those things, they don't even exist. They're just, you know, like clouds, you can't even touch them. So to have that as a goal is ridiculous to me. So I've always felt like just focusing on what I enjoy doing, what I'm passionate about, and the rest of it's going to come and go. I don't, I don't really have any say over at the end of the day. Like, how do you approach your work? Like, 
you know, you get a role, you step in to do something, you do the best job you can. Yeah. Like, how do you navigate that water of like, okay, I put all my work into this film or this role that I did, and then it goes out in the world and you can't control what happens after that. Like, how do you navigate that water yourself? I think you just publicize when the good things are happening. <laughs> <laughs> right. You get, like, your PR name mode, up. PR <laughs> mode, PR mode, yeah. I always say that, exactly. Like. I'm glad that you, like, I'm on the same wavelength with you about understanding people's success comes at different times, will come at, at diff because of different things, especially being a comedian. Sometimes you can be known for just one skit for the rest of your life, yet you've done so much. Same thing with an actor, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like we're a brand to people. You know, they don't really need to know what we're eating and who we're dating as an artist. But I feel like the world of celebrity creeps in, right, for money purposes. And it's a business. So right. I feel like when you talk about being pushed to people, getting awards, all that stuff, people have to realize that that goal of winning Oscars, going to the Emmys, being in the room, so to speak, is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, even going to the Canadian Screen Awards, mm -hmm. okay, to get a ticket, to get a membership, you have to acquire certain stuff, which includes accolades of being a part of real things, of whatever it is, right? And mm -hmm. that takes time in different businesses to develop. When I was listening to your podcast, I, I was hearing how you were saying that you've been doing this for so long and that you never got famous in that sense, even though you were in the room with big people, but yeah. it never hit for you until, you know, when you do a big global project, say like this hour has 22 minutes and then start traveling the world for your comedy and you're like one of the comedians in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I so think too, though. That long, right? Sorry, go ahead. So, yeah, it takes people longer than they think. And I think to be an artist, they need to really, like you said, watch what people go through and kind of follow the path of just going their own and success will come uh, if, it's, if it's meant to. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think, like you said earlier, if you looked at some people's life from the outside and you thought, okay, that person has everything they have, you know, the, the husband, the wife, the kids, the white picket fence, an amazing career. They've been in all these things. Doesn't necessarily mean they're happy, you know? And that's why I feel like people have to get that straight now. Like the inner stuff, you're gonna get that straight now because you won't recognize what happiness and success looks like even if you get the blockbuster movie or the blockbuster role. It still won't be enough. You still won't be able to fill that hole up with, you'll, you'll get there and go, I thought it was gonna be so much better than this or I thought, it would be easier. I thought now all the doors will open up. It's like, no, the doors don't always open up for anyone. I always say, I'm sure Brad Pitt wants to play Macbeth somewhere, you know, like he's like, no, I, I'm ready to play. And I feel like this is a role in, in the, and the, uh, and the, and the, uh, the company's like, yeah, Brad, we just we can't. Uh, I just don't think you're he's like, statistics. yeah. So it's always that. about, it's always about your perception of where you are, you know? So yeah. if you don't get that straight, that's why you have these, rock and roll stars who optically look to have it all and they're miserable and they don't want to live anymore and they just don't see the daylight. So it's not about the outside stuff, the outside stuff and the movie doing well and the TV show doing well and you get in the next role. doesn't matter. If you don't think it's, you don't, if you're not happy in here, it won't matter. And I think the illusion is that when I get to the next level, I'll be happier. 
No, you won't. Yeah. You won't be happier yeah, if you yeah. haven't done that work in there. So I think that's the big lesson I've learned just being around other people at various different levels. There's people who people would consider at a lower level and they're immensely happy. They're like, hey, I get to do what I love. Um, I work with great people. I'm around you know, creatives the all the time. People. Yeah, they're just, they're just happy where they are. It's perception, it's a mindset. I'm still getting there. I'm still getting there. But I, um, I know that what makes me happy is when, say, I'm celebrating an award with my friends from a show that did it or something in any aspect of media post that's made for, for us. That is a win. I always take every little win because everything that we can look back behind us and say is what others will view us as because we will only view ourselves as us. Like when we walk out of the, the, you know, I'm just like, I'm awesome. I'm like doing all this nice stuff for people. But then there'll be people that will want to say something. She's doing this. She's like, why she's like that? Oh, she's late. Blah, blah. Whatever the issue is of anybody. Right. Um, we don't see it the same way. So it's just like confrontation in film is the funniest thing because it's all about ego a lot of the time yeah, and like respect or whatnot. But it's kind of like your relationship with a person will be what it is depending on how you feel about each other and how much you work together. Like I think focusing on building good relationships more than if you're going to become something is like the way to make it for real because everyone else is what makes you up, right? If yeah. you take away all the, the fame from some, an artist, are they still good? You know, like, would people still be new to them? Like, like them if they just had seen them now, you know? Yeah. So it's like the PR side of uh, celebrity and having a manager and all of that, um, you know, that's a different level of success. And I tell people if they want to move forward in success, then you need others. You need help. You need to, pay people to help you <laughs> yeah i mean you can build a team and, and you can you know let people help you open those doors or do work that you don't have the time to do or the skill set to do to help you get to where you want to get to but i also feel like i think ricky, ricky gervais had this um quote once when he said they asked a bunch of kids who were like five and six years old what they wanted to be when they grew up and they said famous and he was like oh no whoa and he's like there's a big difference between being like Robert De Niro and someone who was on like Big Brother. Like they're both famous, but one is like, I am like, have put hours and hours and hours into my craft. And this other person, you know, got famous on TikTok by just, you know, splashing cold water on the girlfriend while she, she showers, right? Like they're two different things. Both are gonna have a level of yeah. fame. So I think like, it's a dangerous word. It's like, well, what, what do you mean fame? And why do you want that thing? Like, that's the question to ask. Why do you want fame? It's like, oh, well, I need that validation of everyone liking me and one of me is like, all right, well, that's a bigger issue. That's like, <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's like, it's, it's, it's yeah. so fleeting and it doesn't, and with the good comes the bad. So as many people who are going to love what you, what you do and put it in the world, you can imagine how many haters Taylor Swift has or how many haters Justin Bieber has. Like, you know, there's the phenomenon, the global success. It's also like, yeah, just go through YouTube and watch all the comments that are like bashing them. It's like, you know, so you don't get one yeah. without the other. So the inside work is so important. But you were just part of um, a really, really cool project called February's Dog. So why don't you tell folks about oh, that? Yes. Yeah, tell us about this film. And I just I watched the trailer for it. February's it looks really Dog. 
I have to ask you, you have to be on our new Facebook podcast. It's hit about 5,000 views already. Nice, Unless congrats. We're just indie, so we feel like, what? That's pretty good for Calgary as well. Yeah, yeah, it's um, great. So February's Dog is a movie that was made in Alberta by Paul J. Chinook, which stars Quinn Teachma, Kevin Davey, Doug Wilson, Will Webster, Stephanie, uh, uh, Stephanie, Stephanie as well. Oh, geez, I'm forgetting some of the names, guys. I'm so sorry. Sheridan, uh, there's some Marv's Diner and uh, hosted the location in um, uh, Black Diamond. It's very like old 50s kind of cool um, diner or whatever. We shot everything in Alberta. Uh, the project, the premise is about. Um, the character Emily and Dale and how their relationship is goes through the depression of uh, him losing his job in the oil field. So it's very relevant today of what we're going through with this whole pandemic. So we're really pushing because this month is mental health awareness and we want to talk about it, you know, bring the conversation up while we're chatting about somebody's career. And we've started a podcast slash Facebook movement to uh, chat with people within the cast and outside of our network, including people like yourself who have a voice that want to really talk about it and kind of break that stigma. So that's, you know, working at trying to get that movie out um, after the COVID, maybe in the new year in theaters. And I connected, we have a really great um, secret <laughs> uh, producer that's helping us um, nice. do it right. We're submitting to Khan's market to try to sell it. We are um, garnering a publicist out of the States that is, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it, but that it had, is the publicist of many huge celebrities. So we're going for it. We're spending cool. a lot of money. We're spending a lot of time. I'm producing the, the Facebook podcast just to invite people or whatnot and help promote it on February's Dog Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, you know, and also we've worked together on that Rabbit View documentary um, by Jake Hirsch, I believe, mm-hmm. for uh, Rising Comedians in, in Comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's really how you and I met in real life for the yeah. first second time or whatever yeah um i'd love to have met you more but uh, you know you're too famous so pass cross pass cross <laughs> yeah kidding. pass cross yeah it's it's um it's uh it's a cool thing too because i think when you look at the relevance of that film right now and the people in alberta in particular but also the folks across the world right now who are sitting back going okay that was part of who i was that's what i did for a living and then you lose that thing it's taken away and you're forced to ask, okay, hey, well, what do I do next? What's the plan? There's so much uncertainty and how much it causes so much anxiety for people and right, excuse me, rightfully so. But the other thing too is like, what amazes me about mental health, and I'm sure you probably had this situation too, where you've talked to friends, you know, you get caught up and you go for back in the day when you could actually go face to face and have coffee or a drink or whatever. <laughs> how people like, like front, like everyone acts like, all their shit is great and there's no problems. And then you find out later, like they're going through the worst part of their life, like after the fact, and you're like, man, I talked to that guy like five different times over the course of, you never once mentioned, like 
people are afraid to be vulnerable enough to talk about the tough times, almost because they're afraid they're going to be judged or they assume everyone else has got their life together. And so they don't want to be, they don't want to, you know, when really my experience has been when you reveal that you're going through a tough time or you're having a struggle with something, nine times out of 10, the other person mirrors it back to you and they go, oh yeah, actually I'm also going through something. But it takes that vulnerability from somebody first yeah. to do it, to allow, to create an environment where, oh, okay, we're not going to bullshit each other. We're actually going to be like, yeah, I'm not doing good. And here's why. Um, and I think, especially with men in particular, and I've noticed just in my own period, yeah. like people like to armor up and act like, yeah, everything's great. You know, I don't know what your experience has been like with it, but. Yeah, I always, I'm always tell, complaining to everybody. Oh my God, I'm the opposite. People are like, oh God, no, your life's fine. Don't complain. But right. I, I think it, because in film, people will say like, if you're having a mental issue, maybe she's not ready to work right now. You know, right. so there are those things that people want to put on the labels. If you do say, hey, I've had issues or am having issues because it, it kind of stems from worrying about um, the stability of somebody and their being reliable or whatever. But mm -hmm. I think somebody going through hard times has nothing to do with if they could be reliable. Like yeah. I'm going through hard times. And I think I woke up like 15 minutes before I had to like do the interview. So it's just kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like in a state of being like, oh, I can't sleep. And then like staying up all night and worrying yeah. or whatever. So it's kind of like, I'll tell you the real truth. Like if somebody came up to you and said, hey, Trano, how you doing? Yeah, well, I'm losing my dad. My career's going nowhere. Just lost my boyfriend. Uh, yeah, I'm getting a dog because, you know, I'm depressed. I want to kill myself. Like people aren't going to say that kind of stuff to people the wrong people no so i, mean, you, I you've got, say yeah. talk mental health stuff with the people you trust mm -hmm. not somebody who's gonna judge you so much but i think throwing the talent saying hey this is who i am and being authentic and that being your brand that can work for people too but only if they go that route all the always yeah, I think, yeah, good point. It's, yeah, not everyone deserves to, sh to hear your story. Like, people have to earn the right yeah. to get that level of vulnerability from you in most cases, because otherwise, you know, you're opening yourself up for a whole bunch of stuff. That's what, that's the danger of social media now, of being, you know, hyper, hyper vulnerable on, on, on the internet, and then people sit back behind their keyboard just, like, judging and writing crappy stuff to make you feel bad, you know, so... Being, making sure someone is deserving of hearing what you're going through and hearing your story, obviously, is, is really, really important, I think. But, um, yeah, I just, I think we're getting there. I think it's better than it was 10 years ago and 15 years ago and 20 years ago. I think we are more aware of, of the challenges with mental health, but I th there's still a long, long ways to go. Like, if there's still this environment of you have to look like you're crushing it all the time, if that still exists... And that's, that's hard for people to feel that there's a safe environment to say, hey, I, I don't have it all figured out. And I, I, have, I have an issue with this. I have anxiety about this. I have depression. I have whatever it may be. So there's definitely some work to do still, for sure. But talking about it exactly like how you are. Like, yes, people who aren't famous talking about it will help the norm in their networks and their circles. Mm -hmm. But I always say to people, you got to have the right person speaking out about things initially. Like I had always 
is still in my mind when um, I think it was like a few years back when the Me Too movement came. Yeah, Trent, Me Too girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, mm -hmm. I remember. I remember. <laughs> I'm sure guys are tired of hearing that. Yeah, no, but, it was um, important. But it is important, you know, people deserve respect uh, mm -hmm. and not to be sexualized in the workplace. Mm -hmm. But I, it's kind of like when that, when that all came out and I noticed that Oprah had been the one to speak and Rose McGowan and, and Ashley Judd and like a few of these powerful women in the industry and they changed the industry by doing it. Mm -hmm. And the world and the way Hollywood life trickles to Canadian as much as it can. So yeah. it's kind of like people of power who speak out like yourself. If you were to speak out, you know, about anything, people are going to tune in. Like you have upwards of a million views on your videos on some of them. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's one of those that, power that you have being a, a, a name that you created and that others put you up that you built and that's not going to go away. You can use it for, changing stigmas of whatever topic you care about yeah and i think being vulnerable yourself too about like your own experience and your own journey like you know we can paint these scenarios of like how every time we did something it worked out in our favor and then i moved on to the next step and then i crushed that and then you know like <laughs> not a real journey like you know what i mean but like showing your flaws showing where it didn't work out and i really believe this for all the motivational speakers you hear out there and keynotes and stuff, and there's some great ones. I feel like people connect, the average person connects when they hear about your failures more so than your successes. Because the success sometimes is on such a level they can't even relate to it. They're like, oh, let me, oh, let me find out about how you were working as a waiter in a restaurant and the next thing you were in, you know, you won a uh, Oscar for best supporting actor. Like that thing is yeah. so big of a distance. Like what are you talking about? When you talk about the struggle and how you were uncertain and you didn't have your shit figured out, people relate to that because that's where a lot of people are right now. So they're like, <laughs> where oh, we're yeah, that's where I am. Like, that's, keep going, keep talking. Like, that's exactly where I am. So I think the more we do that and the more we talk about the tough times and the continued tough times that we are all will have for the rest of our lives, there will be struggle, um, is to just to embrace that and to share that with people. Because then when people watch or they turn in, they're like, oh, okay, like everything's not smooth for that person, or I thought it was, or whatever, you know? So I, I feel like it's so important okay. to do that in a way that allows people to feel comfortable in that they're not that far off. You're not, you're not, you're not you know, on an island by yourself. Everybody's going through something right now, especially right now. So I think that's really important. Especially. But I think people not being able to share their creativity, not being able to connect, uh, as a downfall within the industry there's not projects being put out for the time of january or whatever like it's going to be like a lack of films that are coming out uh within cons film festival even the market there's it's not happening this year unfortunately but it's digital mm -hmm. and even there their submissions are complete like oh way less than they used to be like a third Mm -hmm. so I just felt maybe that's wrong if they they tell me I'm wrong sorry about that but uh it's everything's being affected but we still as people want to succeed and move forward and that's mm -hmm. where I get my most sad when I know how hard I've worked and I feel like 
I don't have anything to show for it except for like maybe a few followers that like don't even like all my stuff anyway. So I just sometimes get down about like, why am I doing this if nobody likes it, you know, or likes me or whatever. And you feel like, who are you going to be to the world in the end? I'm really obsessed with legacy because I've had a few of my friends die who are mm -hmm. artists. And I just am so happy that they're still in projects that we've done and they're never be for, forgot that whole thing. Yeah. So no, I understand that's where that. I'm with, I know others feel like they want to build a name, not just for others to enjoy, but like when they're gone. Yeah, I understand. They leave around a body of work that they can be remembered by. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like, again, that timeline doesn't, there is no timeline for any of that stuff. And when we so-called make it and when we arrive and all that, I don't know if you ever arrive. I don't know if you ever feel like you made it, you know, I feel like the you work. You feel is, like you've made it? I don't feel like, I feel like there's still a million things I want to do. And I always feel like I'll be better. And I always feel like that desire is always there. It's not, um, it's like if you watch the last dance documentary about Michael Jordan, or if you watched athletes train, if you win a Stanley cup or you win a championship, that's not it. It's not like, okay, well now I sit back. It's like, no, you got to go train again, like a week later and you have to be stronger than you were last year because they're coming for you. Like it doesn't end in that regard. So you, that can cause anxiety or you can say, well, I love this anyway. Like I want to do the work. I want to do the thing. And so sometimes I'm going to win. Sometimes I'm going to lose, but I enjoy the minutia of the everyday stuff and creating. And I would argue that even though you might not feel like you've arrived or made it, or you've had the success you wanted, there are people who would trade lives. Or I've arrived in the room. I'm at <laughs> <Yeah>. the door. <laughs> right. You're at the door. You're just like, okay, they're going to open up any second. Here we go. I rang the doorbell, right? All right. Okay. I think I hear footsteps. Um, but there, there's people on the other side. I'm like, hey, Grant, let me know. Yeah. But oh, people are just like, I think there's people who you don't know who would trade lives with you in a heartbeat. Like they yeah. would look at your life from oh, the yeah. outside and go like, oh yeah, I'll take that. She's got this magazine. She's done all these roles. She's doing podcasts. She's like, you know, you're, you've probably been in more rooms than most people in your industry. So they would go, yeah, I'll take that life. And so I always look at this motto of there's no crying on the yacht, right? That when you're on a yacht, no one wants to hear you cry. They're like, oh, the yacht yeah. isn't big enough yeah. and the waves aren't loud enough. And I think everybody's yeah. on a yacht. They just don't really realize it. Like you live in Canada, you have clean drinking water, yeah. uh, you have healthcare, like you have done a bunch of amazing projects. You've worked with a ton of creative people. You still have, you have your health. Like there's a million things to be grateful for and to go like, yeah, I, I'm doing all right. You know, like it might not be where I think I should be, but I've done a lot of cool stuff. I met a lot of cool people. So sometimes it's just rewiring our minds to be like, yeah, like I'm good. I'm, good. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And I don't know what the next step is, but I'll figure it out. That's a very good mantra that you said. I, I might even start using that, the gratitude mantra, because once you start saying what you do have, you mm. just feel silly. It's a, it's a superpower. <laughs> I, started, uh, I started meditating about six years ago, maybe five, six years ago. And I end meditation with a gratitude practice of thinking about three things that I'm grateful for. Maybe it was a great conversation that I had yesterday or the fact that I had a hot cup of coffee this morning or I had a great sleep, whatever, like small to big things. And when you do that, you rewire your mind for the rest of the day to look for things to be positive about as opposed to looking for things to complain about. It's amazing. It's a superpower. Like I really believe it should be taught in schools because it's, it's a game changer. 
I'm hearing a lot about meditating. I think when the COVID first came down and everybody, there was a global meditation day. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Did you do that? I didn't do that one, but I did one with Jay Shetty on Instagram and he was doing like 21 or 22 days straight of meditating and there's people around the world. So I went on with him live, like just like joined in with it, like um, with everyone else from around the world kind of thing. And it is a game changer because it quiets all that noise, all those feelings and thoughts you have about being insecure or not being enough or whatever it is you have going on in there. It's turning all that down to zero and just focusing on your breathing or visualizing something positive. I'm telling you, it will rewire you for the rest of the day. Like it's, it's, it's great for people who have anxiety or have those thoughts that keep creeping in. And everyone has it to a certain degree. That's I got sure. the creeping thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Being the age we are, okay, you know, some people would look at us and say we're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Some would say that, you know, yep. my fans, thank you. I love you yep. all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, some people would say, oh, but not my flavor. But being undeniably when it's your time, uh, you know, 30s, mid 40s it seems to be when the hot spot of anyone's career is because longevity is gold in this career i think mm-hmm. so when you start hitting that you've been in the industry for 10 10 years plus then you start getting those accolades included in those events you know more promoted within things put up you're part of it you're in the room but it's kind of like moving forward from there where do you go you know, when you've already, when you've made it like you have, you're now still doing tours. You're still doing the work, if not more, now that you have made it on billboards and in a big show. Yeah. Well, that's what, what I mean. That, that's, that's why I enjoy That's why enjoying the work is so important because another level, another devil, another level, another devil. So it's like, if you're still waiting for it to be no work and to everything to be smooth sailing, it doesn't exist. Like that's the myth people have been taught that somehow I'm gonna do a project and suddenly no more struggle. It's like, no, struggle's part of life. Like, you know what I mean? And, and I think people have to get rid of that delusion of somehow I unlock this door and everything appears. It's like, it doesn't exist. It does not exist. I've never ever heard any creative or artist talk about how, yeah, now it's not work anymore. Like, what are you talking about? And that's why it's important to enjoy what you're doing. That's why it's important to enjoy the small things about what you do and creating. And if you don't, and you're waiting for that accolade, you're waiting for that validation, you will never find happiness in this world. That's the thing I've learned is that you'll never get to a level where you're like, oh yeah, now I totally enjoy this. You know, it's, it's cause it'll just mean more work. Like if you have success, like I look at authors, musicians, you put out an album, it's a global phenomenon. That's option one. Option two is it flops, it goes out in the world, no one even knows it exists. You can have anxiety with either. The flop means we put all this work into this project. No one gave a shit about it. Why are we even bothering? Nobody cares. No one's going to hear it. What are we doing? We wasted all this money and time. Anxiety. Option two with the global success. Great. Now you got to go tour that and you have to hope your ticket sales are great. And you have to put another album out that follows up the success of that first album. So either way, pick your stress, pick your anxiety. Which one do you want? And there's bands who can't handle either option. They're like, yeah, we had a great album. We couldn't follow it up. The second one, the band broke down. Another band put an album out. It didn't do anything. And they broke up because it wasn't a success right away. So pick your fight. Pick your, yeah. pick your poison. Which one do you want? Either, both are going to have it. So that's the thing I realized in life. It's like you, you have to pick your struggle. 
pick your struggle because it's going to come with either one. You pick which one you think you can handle. So that's the way I look at it. It doesn't go away. It just looks different. It's in a different frame. Yeah. You know? We all go through the same things just at different times. You know what keeps me happy in life is knowing that we all end up in the same place. <laughs> yeah. None of us are better than anybody. Honestly, yeah. I seriously I get solace from that. I'm like, you know, one day their reign of terror will be over. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> you know? Well, two, the two things that I get morbid, the two things I get solace from are like the two things I get solace from are like all things are temporary. So whether you're going through a great time or a bad time, it's all temporary. So that wave will pass, and then you'll go to the next thing. And the second thing is that just like we we're not our thoughts. Right. So any thought or feeling you have, you are not that you are. That's a thought. Like if you look at the sky and see clouds floating by, those thoughts and feelings are just clouds floating by. Yeah. You're the, you're the blue sky. Like you're not the cloud. You're the blue sky behind it. So it's like you're watching it sail by. It's going. It's anxiety. You're stressed out. Oh, my God, I got this thing going on. I got this project, whatever. It's, it goes by. Right. And then another cloud may come by or it might not. But you're not your thoughts. Yeah. Just, I'm not just, letting it ruin be, you. Yeah, be aware of the thoughts. You're the person aware of these thoughts and feelings. You're not the person, you're not in it. You're just watching it happen, you know? So that stuff's a game changer, I'll tell you. It will change how you look at the world and how you navigate through your day, you know? Well, being a comedian, you look at the world very differently than most people. You can find the humor, I think, in anything. Again, listening to your podcast about how you do right and how it comes about and how hard you have to work doing that. I want to get into that for the audience about being a comedian as a actual profession and the grind that you have to do and the reality. I want to know. It's um, for me, my process is that I have a thought about something or I observe something if I'm out in the world. And then I think, man, I think there's some comedy there or I'm just talking to a friend about something and something comes up. So I'll jot it down on my phone or I'll get to a notepad later and kind of write out bullet points about where I think the funny parts will be. But it all just derives from real life, you know, from just everyday life experiences that everyone has through the course of their day. And I like that stuff. I like the stuff that's true where you go, yeah, like that actually happened to me. And I actually thought the exact same thing. And then as a comedian, we just get to say it, you know? So we just get to say it. We get together. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's my approach to it. And then you just continue to evolve. And that's the same thing. Like, you know, you write an hour of stand up like five years ago. You can't ride that out for the rest of your career. Like you have to put that to bed and then you have to write another hour of material like over the course of time. Like, so, you know, what that hour did for you is fine, but like you can't hang on to that the rest of your life. You have to move on to the next thing. So the work is the work. You just move on to the next thing and you enjoy that process. So, Get up at open mics, try these new ideas. They fail. I got to rewrite it or rethink it, reframe it, go back up again, see if it works. So it's just a trial and error process to find out what is hitting with the audience. So somebody who makes it in comedy basically can just say that they've trialed and errored it a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you realize that failure is not fatal. You just realize like that joke didn't work. Okay. Fine. It could. Now I go back to the drawing board and say, did they not understand the premise? Was the punchline too weak? Was the punchline too predictable? Did I cut it too short? Did I go too long? Did I put it in between two jokes where it didn't quite fit? Like there's a million things you can go back and fix now that you know it didn't work. All it is is information. Their silence was information. Like, okay, 
I need to go back and fix that. Or if it kills and does great, you're like, all right, I'm on the right track. I can go a little bit better and deeper, but I'm on the right track. So it's not fatal. It's like, just like, all right, it didn't quite work. Like, all right. You know, not every song on an album for a band is a hit. It's like, there's 12 songs and two are hits. So what about those other 10 songs? It's like, it's the overall feel. Like when I love comedy, like I think I've seen you, I've seen you um, uh, in Calgary and I know that just getting up there must be like so nerve wracking just in front of everyone being like, say a joke, make us laugh. You know, like I'm sure you get those rude people in that sense because they don't realize that you're telling us a story. You're an artist standing up there like, you know, if it's Shakespeare to swearing the whole time, it's kind of like everybody's go-to of their character that they present and the style that they do and like, you know, the topics that they talk about and is it like authentic or is it like made up? Like there's so much to comedy and I think that's why I like it because you get that instant gratification from, you know, the punchline and the laugh and then when you leave you get to meet the artist sometimes and it's just like it's a really fun experience to go to a comedy show I think like even more so than a theater uh because you can talk to the people around you and everything is relatable and connected and we're all laughing together I think as soon as this pandemic ends I'm gonna get my butt to a comedy show because I'm really missing that camaraderie of positivity yeah, there's a real connection there, I think, you know, when you're talking about something and then everyone laughs at the exact same moment. Like that feels like everybody's on the exact same page at that exact same second. And you're sitting next to people you don't know, different ages, different ethnicities, different walks of life, different careers. But in that moment, everybody's on the exact same page because everyone's laughing. Like that's like the truest form of communication. So I think it's a valuable thing for sure, not just because I'm in the profession, but, but what I tell comedians when they start, when people talk about nerves and stuff, I'm like, sometimes you can reframe it. Like people go, comedians can think, oh, well, what if I go up there and my jokes don't do well and I bomb or whatever? Yeah, you can have that thought in there. Or you can go, man, look at all these people who've like given up their time and their money. They got a babysitter, they found parking, they yeah. are buying a meal. They got dressed up for the night. A lot of folks don't go out as much anymore. Yeah. So they're like, we, this is our date night and whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we just want to come and laugh. I'm like, they're already on your side. They're already there because they want to have a good time. Like, you're not at a Canadian tire, right? It's not like you're just like, hey, everybody, I'm going to start telling jokes in aisle six. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. I'm just looking for a wrench. Get out of the way. Like, you know, like they're at a comedy <laughs> club. They want to have a good time, right? So just, just reframe it to like, yeah, isn't this awesome? They're all here for the exact same reason, for that sense of connection, for that sense of community. So like put it in that category as opposed to, wow, what a, it's about me. And what if I'm not funny? It's like, you're way too in your head. Yeah, and let like, your time shine. Yeah, like be positive, yeah. you know? Like it's, I feel that, yeah, I hear you. That's good advice because people will get to the point where they're so nervous they can't even perform. And it's kind of like, but they chose you. They want you here. So yeah. just do your thing the way you do it, the way, you know, the way you truly do it without somebody really watching. I always say if a comedian can just like be as funny as they are in real life mm-hmm. on the stage, because... It, some, you meet those people like Bill Burr. He's one of my favorite fights. Ang- he's the most angry. And so, who's that other guy? Something black. 
he, the most Lewis, angry. Lewis, Lewis Black, yeah. Yeah, like both yeah. of those are just like, like yeah. you're always angry right and i'm yeah. just kind of like i guess that's their personality what sets them off and like funny things set them off and they like to talk about it yeah but it's just kind of like the way you do your comedy you do like situations you're like have you ever been that time you just like you don't understand why it's not good and everyone's you do a different style where you're yeah. authentic and talk about things that people can really relate to yeah. And I think that's why you're such a hit in Calgary because um, what we go through in Alberta, you know, in the, you know, like LA and stuff, it's just like a different lifestyle that we live. Mm -hmm. So Canadians, we really like joke about kind of like our lifestyle, I think a lot, like comparatively to the, the States. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I think I, you're awesome. I, I th thanks so much. I think too, like, you know, when you're in the acting world, you know, you go into an audition you can go in there trembling and like, oh, I hope they like me and whatever. Or you can go in and go, I'm going to make a choice with this character and I'm just going to commit to it and I'm going to deliver it. I think because they want you to be the next person. Like no one wants to sit around doing auditions all day. Like, all right, next, bring in the next person. Like they want you to be the next person that blows the doors off. So it's like just walking in with that conviction of like, yeah, I don't really know what other people are doing or how they're going to prep. Here's what I'm doing. Here's a choice I made. Go in with conviction, deliver it. And then that's all you can do at the end of the day, you know, like it's not about, yeah, you're waiting to get chosen, obviously, but like you're happy with your preparation. You're happy with how you delivered in the moment. And then that's it. You let go of it and you move on. And I feel like that, that parallel between stand up and acting, there's a, there's a real tight one there because it's conviction. It's like, yeah, I, this is who I am. This is my thought on the matter. I'm going to deliver it in this way. Done. On to the next thing. Like it's not, you don't hang your hat on, oh, they liked it or it didn't. It's like, if you did or you didn't, I don't care. I'm already on to the next thing. I've already moved on. I'm already yeah, going to the next joke. You know, so it's, yeah. it's not being attached to it. Like it's like, oh, it's personal. It's me and you're, you're not choosing me as a person. It's like, no, they're just like, whatever you brought that day, that, like that audition was like, just not what they had in their mind when they were thinking of the role. It has nothing to do with you as a person or your childhood or yeah. the guy who dumped you last week or the girl who dumped you like none of these things are interconnected this is just like you know so we i don't know i think we sometimes because we're artists we're so attached to what we do and create that it's like oh the rejection means you're rejecting me as a person it's like no it's like just it's just the body of work or the choice you made in that moment so you, know, you gotta divorce yeah. yourself from that outcome you know learning to make the right choice and confidence in the moment i learned that a lot with auditioning that like when you come in the room and you don't do it the right way it's kind of they how you bring yourself to them is how they assume that you're going to be on set and how to how to work with so mm -hmm. it's not always if you're the best you know like i want to get into how the heck you landed uh this hour has 22 minutes like what was you know i know you've been doing tons of big shows within Calgary and touring with Yuck Yucks and all of that. But let's get into what happened with that call. Like you so, got that call. Like, it's a wild story. So I, oh. for, yeah, for a couple of years prior, I've been like doing my own shows, like doing theaters and stuff and like touring on my own. So I kind of left the comedy circuit and was doing my own stuff, you know, stand up wise. And then I got asked to be part of um, uh, the Amazing Race Canada because they had one of the challenges for their contestants was doing stand-up comedy. So I had to go to my hometown where they were blowing through and this little small comedy, little venue there. And I had to write all the jokes for these contestants to say. And if they messed them up, they had to go back and do it again. So anyway, and I hosted that little section. 
So anyway, as we're doing the blocking for that taping for uh, Amazing Race Canada the day before, there's a couple of fine arts students from the local college that are just helping out on set. And so I'm talking to them and I say, um, you know, one of the things you got to embrace when you're in the entertainment world is that a phone call or an email can change your life. Like you get this role or someone wants you to be part of this project. And so that's just how it works. There's not a lot of security to it. It just can happen at any moment. 90 minutes later, my agent calls and goes, uh, the uh, producers of 22 minutes have called and they want you to be part of the cast. And I was like, could you email that to me? Can you email that to me? Cause I can't even quite produce, I can't even get my head around what you're talking about right now. So she emails me the whole offer and stuff. And the back history is like, I'd been a writer on the show for a couple, like for a couple of different stints at different times for a bunch of weeks. And I'd done some stuff where I'm man on the street talking to people like, you know, going here and there and talking to people, asking the questions for segments. And then they needed a new cast member. They're like, Hey, what do you think? Do you want to join the crew? So I was like, yeah, like for sure. But it was like literally 90 minutes after I told these two students, in your, head. your life can change. Mm -hmm. And literally 90 minutes later, my life was like, here's a phone call. But that's like the product of like 13, 14 years in the business at that point. And like, tons of horrible gigs and going to auditions and not getting roles and like you yeah. know what i mean it's just the ability to stay in the game to just can you stay in the game can you still yeah. move your feet and work you know and and that's that's a testament to anybody who's got that next opportunity is that you just can't quit you have to keep going even when it's tough so so okay let's dive more into it for the audience more about how the first call that you got for amazing race who called you like how did that how did they call you someone had approached my manager and said hey we are doing this thing for amazing race and it's the beauty of having a website i guess too is that you, you know your social media you have contact info there and stuff and and uh, someone had mentioned my name, I do believe, about, oh, this guy's a comedian and he's pretty funny and he's done some writing for 22 minutes, whatever. So I you know, they contact and like, what do you think? And I was like, sure. It was a lot of work because you had to write, you know, 50, 50 jokes, I think I had to write for this thing. And so it was a bunch of work to do for sure. But that's the great thing about entertainment though. Like, you wow. know, you're just having a normal day and then your phone goes off and you're like, oh, what's this? And then it's someone, that, yeah. Who, yeah, someone wants you to have a project. And then the thing that you auditioned for that you thought you crushed, you're like, no one ever calls you back for that. You're like, oh, okay, I thought I really, so. <laughs> it's always the opposite, isn't it? Yeah, you can't predict it. So why sit around waiting to predict it? And this is some great advice. A buddy of mine lived in LA for a bunch of years. And he said when he moved down from here, he moved down to LA. And he said he used to go on auditions all day. And this is back in like the late 90s. He said, I'd sit back by my, like, want to make sure I was back in my apartment all day waiting for callbacks, you know, like waiting by the phone. Like, all right, I think that third one went pretty well or whatever. Then I realized, like, I'm in California. Like, I'm, like, next to the beach. Like, go out and enjoy the beach and the sunshine and go to a farmer's market and go, like, go enjoy life. Like, don't sit around waiting to be chosen for this thing that you think you had a good audition at. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's torture. It's just, like, go live your life. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. They'll call and leave a voicemail, and you can check your voicemail. But, like, why are we – people sitting around, like, okay, I got to wait for this phone call to – you know, it's just, it was good advice. It's like, live your life, do your best you can in the moment and then go live your life. And then the cars will fall where they may. It's kind of like the cool kids in high school, right? Where they act like nothing matters, whatever. And then you always felt like, why is everything cool happened to them? And then they're cool in between. And you're like, 
How yeah. do they do that? And it's literally just by them having their, their head on. And like you said, oh, that's cool that that happened. Moving on to the next stage of any experience. Like, yeah, and you know this too, like when you get chosen for maybe a TV show or a movie, like just because you got the role to start doesn't mean, you know, you're going to see that to the end of the process and that thing now goes on television and whatever. You, they could do the pilot, not think you're a fit. They could go, okay, we're going to actually, you're going to be in it, but you're not in it very much. We're going to change your character. So now you're not even happy with the role anymore. Like, again, it doesn't matter. There's so many different times your heart can get broken. So you can't, you can't get married to it. It's just like, it's so fleeting. It's like, just do your best, move on to the next thing. Do your best, move on to the next thing. Okay. Yeah, that is very good advice. I feel like if people are really listening, this has been like a good mental health talk in itself of keeping sane as an artist and how to keep the longevity of your career. And I think keeping a lot, the longevity of your career is relationships, not pissing people off, mm -hmm. being a good person, uh, doing what you say you're going to do, but yeah. being you as well. Like sometimes being unapologetic that you're you is the best way to be because sometimes you're like, yeah, I do this. Yeah. I'm kind of weird, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of, know that about you instead of being surprised that you look like this online and then you're like this in person you know if being authentic or whatever yep. Yep. is everything uh right now what do you I think agree. about that <clears throat> yeah I, well there's only one you so you might as well just be you you can't be somebody else so or what you and here's the other thing i learned this with doing auditioning auditions for like comedy festivals or showcases and submissions for for comedy festivals excuse me, you could be, you could submit the same tape to Just for Laughs, Halifax Comedy Festival, Winnipeg Comedy Festival. One of the three might think it's the best thing they've ever seen, it was awesome. The other two might think it was the worst thing they've ever seen. So it's like, you can't figure out what other people want anyway. So you might as well just be you. And then as long as you can, because even if you don't get it, you can live with the fact that like, well, I was me. Like, would you rather get something being something else? And then you're like, yeah, you got it. But you're like, yeah, but I, oh God, I hate that. I, I, I don't want to be that yeah. person. It's like, well, that's what we want. Like, so you might as well be authentically you regardless, as opposed to trying to shape shift and fit to what other people want and need. I think that's how you end up unhappy. I mean, that's why yeah. you see these boy bands get manufactured and they get put together and they're a global phenomenon and girls are screaming and it looks amazing. And those guys are miserable because they're like, I don't want to play this music. I hate these songs. I want to be a, so I want to play blues. Yeah. I want to play jazz. I want to do a hip hop album. I want to do whatever, but they can't be their authentic self yeah. because they're part of this product of a boy band that insists, you know, Oh, we must do it this way. And here's what the audience wants. The, the masses want road on. You, know, you get controlled. There's a lot of that going on in Hollywood. I feel like Canada is a lot better for, for what all the craziness that happens and how they choose. It's kind of like, it's not just, hey guys, I'm an artist and I want to be out there and, and have my voice shown. Like, it's got to be that you have something to say, that you have something to you. Sometimes people just have it. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's through hard work and persistence, kind of like me. Sometimes it's yep. talent and uh, connections, you know, being married into it or, you mm -hmm. know, being born into it or whatever. So people like us who are like, no, nobody's going to help us. No one, you know what I mean? We're all on our own. Um, I think that's always a different story. Like I love when people have had the platform growing up and then make it big and do great things and, and you know, do 
change the world like Oprah, you know, but mm -hmm. it takes, you know, longevity to get there. But people who are Canadian like us, I think we have that struggle of trying to break out in the sense of having that voice that if we want to say something like, say somebody like Rihanna, she posted something about the UN and then boom, she's at the UN. Right. So to me, I was just like, fame can be power in the sense of people will listen to you and it can open doors. You know? Yeah, I think so. I think the thing I think about with Rihanna in particular is that she, she took her power first. Like she was going to do it her way, the way she wanted to do it. She wasn't going to be something that, you know, a studio manufactured and we're going to tell you how we want it. I think she was kind of like strong willed. And I feel like that leaves you in good stead going forward because now you can use your platform to do the thing you want. You can actually be authentic. And if you want to get a bigger message out there, you can, you know, as opposed to being, you know, when have you ever heard a great message from a boy band, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, we stand. It's like, no, you were told what to say and what to think. And, and we know so, that as an audience. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, we're trying to keep a brand going and we got to sell lunch boxes and we got to sell t-shirts and we got to sell these wrist wristbands that we have. And you know, like you don't want to mess with the corporation situation that you have. So well, you can't, it, or you get fired. Yeah. I'm sure when you get hired for a, a big gig, especially the Halifax comedy festival, is really big i see you've done mm -hmm. that um it's kind of they want you to present yourself and post and like there's always somebody watching once you make it that's mm -hmm. the problem with making it is that once you're under the limelight it can be taken away from you your view your name your your accreditation the media it can it can change so people better watch what they wish for in that yeah. sense yeah, and I think at the end of the day, you go, well, I would I be fine without it? Like, can you be like, here I am as a person, and this is being my, what I do as an artist is one portion of my life, but that's not my entire life. And it's like, okay, you've chosen me for this thing. You think I'm a good fit. But if you change your mind, I'm not less of a person. I'm not less of an artist. It's just like, you've decided this business, what it is, a business short-term contract doesn't work for you now. That's, that's all it is. It's like, okay, all right, good. And you just move on. Like, that's what I mean, I think, Jim Gaffigan is a great comedian. I think he said his greatest skill set has not been his stand-up comedy ability. It's his ability to move on once failure or setback comes in. It's not marinating in it and ruminating in it and, oh, that was my shot. And, oh, that, that. it's like, no, you can have that for a day or two, but then you get your ass up and you move on to the next thing. You don't sit around, you know, oh, that was my shot. Like, everyone knows that person who's still talking about the role they didn't get nine years ago. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know these people. Oh, oh. It's like, well, what did you get? Move on, move on, yeah. right? Like it's like, you know, it's it's uh, it's this whole victim mentality of like, you know, poor me, and how come this didn't happen? It's like, yeah, welcome to the world of entertainment. Lots of people don't get stuff they want. Lots of times it doesn't work out. Lots of times you're riding high and then you fall off. It's like, get up, like not being relevant anymore. Yeah, yeah the media you know, so. is a huge part of that. Media, I I I swear to God, media is everything when you have a manager and a publicist i definitely suggest people to get that once they get to a certain level of where they want to have that view and be put out in magazines and stuff uh that aspect of branding yourself is a whole other topic mm -hmm. <laughs> but also i wanted to get more into about your actual stand-up and some of the really big shows that you've played what are some of the most memorable shows that you have played this last year um 
I don't know. I mean, I, cause I wanted to start my tour once we wrapped the 22 minutes and I got four shows in and then the COVID-19 that happened and I was like, Oh, are we going to shut everything down? We're not doing it. Okay. All right. So, um, but in my career, it's like, I've had some, been fortunate to have some really great moments and doing a gala just for laughs two summers ago was an amazing feeling and Maria Banford being on the show and Will Forte and, all these people was an amazing experience in probably one of the biggest venues I've ever played, you know? So it's, you have all these surreal moments where you're like, wow, I'm actually here in this moment doing this thing. And it's the ability then to try and bring yourself back into the moment as opposed to stepping out of it and going like, Oh God, look at all these people. And look at these, these famous people. It's like, just going back in and go like, no, just do what you do. Like don't overthink it. Like just do dance with the girl that you brought to the dance, you know, like do the thing that you do well. And um, you know, that's the thing. That's the, remember, the thing you got to remember. It is overwhelming when you've made it in the room, even when you did make it and you see all these big, famous people next to you and you're just like I feel like I know you and now I'm working with you that's yeah. a surreal feeling that's when you feel like you've really made it yes. actually as an artist and doing your art is when you're working with people that you've always idolized yeah it's a cool feeling and I think also speaks to how important it is to kind of be grounded in yourself or just kind of feel like you're worthy or that you you have compassion for yourself and you you, you feel you're worthy of something or worth something is not second guessing that it's not being in the room going, because if you don't get that sorted first, when you do get in that room, you'll think I don't belong here. I'm not good enough. And I'm, I haven't done what that person's done or what she's done. You know, that's negative self-talk that people can have creep into their heads. It's like, no, you've worked hard. You've got an opportunity. You're in the room. Welcome. Act like you belong and just be kind and enjoy yourself. Like it's really, it's simple in that regard. Once you put it on paper, people can get in their own head and you know as you said kind of like oh look at this person or that person so at the end of the day it's just being authentic and embracing the moment is so important so i've tried to do that more so as opposed to think about oh what have i got to do next or so just be here okay, now in the moment yeah, i do live not in the live in the moment i live five minutes in the future but you know it's so funny because how you talk about um anyone who knows me who's listening will be well, it would know that I was in the room on that carpet before I even did anything. That's right. how I got into the industry. I, by chance, got connected, very aware of my surroundings and what's what in the industry. We went to the Calgary Film Festival. And unbeknownst to me, uh, we just somehow got ourselves on the, the red carpet. Right. And to this day, my friend Zuli and I, who did Go Fish, uh, are the first picture on Calgary Film's Instagram page with right. uh, Joe Novak and all the biggest people who run the film industry. And I've always done everything backwards. And so you're saying, get in that room. You did deserve it. And I used to always say to myself, I know I don't deserve to be here, but girl, I'm going to become something. I am here. You know, you yeah. the right people around you, you do. So the one thing is, I was at a Calgary Film Festival, probably in like 2014 or something. And that's where I met Mark Critch. Right. Your buddy that's uh, yeah. on uh, The Sour Toy has 22 Minutes, a huge fan of his. And he connected me with Alan Hocko and also the singer Alan Doyle yep. as well. And I see that you guys are all like a 
team. I didn't know that you're obviously you're a team. You guys all work together, but it's like the newfie boys are all like all the celebrity newfie boys are all friends. <laughs> and you guys all do the comedy show you did with Al like in the summer or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I saw that you guys have all a really great relationship and uh, all of you guys together is pretty fun to watch on social media because we support Alan Hocko through tarot PR Cool. because I had, for some reason I had, cause I'm a go getter, right? I, I see things before they happen and CBC had put out that Alan Hocko's new show. Uh, oh, I can't remember what it what's called right now. It was a crime kind of show where he's like a badass. Yeah. 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 Alan, I forgot the name. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the thing was when he came to town and then I had um, reached out to Mark, which I don't really know him to be honest in person, but I've supported him online many times because of CBC and promoting this hour is 22 minutes. And so I reached out to him and I asked him for a favor. I said, listen, man, like, please, can you like introduce me to your boy, Alan? Cause I'm like, you know, I'm a stalker, you know, a friendly one, you know, I will not do anything weird to you. I'll write about you nicely, but I'm a stalker. So I got that connection and that's how I started really working with, um, a ton of stars now, like a ton, like all of them, every single one of them I, I, I promote. Sorinda Swan is the next cover, uh, CBC star. Nice. Nice. So uh, yeah, it's about it's about putting yourself out there. Yeah, it's like asking and and putting yourself out there in the world. It's like that's how stuff yeah. happens. It's like what's the worst that happens? It doesn't work out. It's like all right, well you just move on to the next thing. It's like next, you know, like. Um, but it's great to work with those guys because everyone kind of supports each other and the projects and stuff, and so it's kind of nice to be able to to do that, you know, because everyone's kind of started from pretty humble beginnings. Uh, you know, growing up in Newfoundland where, you know, the, there's only 500,000 people in the entire province. Like that's Newfoundland and Labrador combined, 500,000 in the entire province. So if you get to some level of success in the entertainment world, like you've paid your dues, like you've worked hard, you've, you know, you've done some stuff. So um, it's, it's, it's hard work. And it's, it's when you see someone else who's gotten through the fires as well, at the end of the day, like you acknowledge that you're like, yeah, man, like, I know we're still breathing. Can you believe this? Like, yeah, I know. It's like, oh, we're good, right? Yeah, okay, good. So I'm always uh, proud of those guys and, and proud of the work they put in. And they're all good guys too, like super, super nice people, generous, kind, humble, and uh, which I think is more important. Than they anything. are. Oh, when I when I meet Canadian stars like Alan Hocko and yourself and even Mark Critch, um, it's just all about they want to support you almost because they know you're a big like they know that like they're a big deal right like of course so it's kind of like they're doing a favor you know for like a little gal like me who's like new in the, the media industry well also but, too i think they don't they don't forget what it was like to be starting out like everybody yeah. you know like alan doyle and i alan's been on my podcast and i asked him about i told him a story about you know i think i was hanging out with bob saget or someone i was opening for bob and sitting down having a steak with Bob Saget. I'm like, what am I, what am I doing? Like, you know, there's that, yeah. you know, and he talked about how he went to um, dinner with Elvis Costello and um, oh, who was, who was the other actor from um, Gladiator? Um, Russell oh, yeah. Crowe. Russell Crowe. So him and Russell are best friends and he's now in a, in a you know, room eating with like Elvis Costello and Russell Crowe. And he said, I also had that moment of like, what am I doing here like right now? So everyone's had that moment. And also everyone remembers 
what it was like starting out and how much you had to fight and struggle and just keep creating and keep making it and you fail and you dust yourself off and you go again. So I think those guys have always still been in tune with that and in tune with other people who are also making their way. You know, you don't get to a point of like, I'm too good for all these things now that I've arrived. Some of them are though. Some of the, I've experienced a lot and being a reporter, like uh, as my full-time gig or whatever, uh, being, interviewing celebrities you see who they are really quickly mm-hmm. definitely definitely yeah. and if you're and, and it's really one thing and i'm sure you've seen it too where it's like when the cameras are rolling they're they can turn it on right and be this charming whatever and then the second the interview ends you're like they're like yelling at an assistant it's like hey get it like you know so you're like oh that's the real you you just turn it on yeah. for when the cameras are on so i like that those guys are the same on and off you know they're just they're just good dudes they're good people it seems like it. It seems like you guys are the most well-known group of artists from from there. And I like that you guys continue to support because that's what I'm trying to do in Calgary, support like a certain network that I know here and do yeah. the exact same thing. So when I see things that I'm doing here and, and you're out there doing it, I go, oh, okay, I think I'm doing it right. I yeah. am. And I don't know anything really. But yeah. I just internally know that connecting and creating content with people isn't bad. And what will come of it, who will see it, will be like this podcast that we that I'm like insisting that you and Alan be on. I asked Mark already, but he had nothing to say about it really. But uh, he said Alan is all about mental health, and so I mm-hmm. really would love to have maybe even both of you on, or or individually, probably individually. Yeah. But um, this podcast itself. Uh, was stemmed from just doing it because mm-hmm. people we've been promoting February's dog it's an indie of course it was a short that was made with very little money then we made it into a feature then now we have like the top editor in in Calgary from uh, Pyramid Productions and now we have you know potential distribution because of getting into con you know so it's like there's lots of things happening that we're not really supposed to talk about but we are but because we we, we're not posting anything hey we're we're gonna go somewhere guys we are gonna make it we're just doing it and talking about what we do and we got about five thousand views and that's not a ton but for us in alberta that's really good Mm -hmm. so i know that whenever i do anything that if you just do it it will succeed here maybe it won't succeed here maybe and you just go with what works yeah i so agree that's how that stemmed just by having that idea and then this lady quinn who's doing the podcast who's the star of the movie is headlining it and uh we're just trying to talk about mental health because i think for myself for all of us we're all going through that mm-hmm. um issues that are being brought up where we can't suppress them because we can just be busy with work yeah. Like when, like you said at the beginning, when you have to really internalize yourself, sometimes that's the most scary thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't run from it and base yourself in, you know, uh, busyness and just like, oh, I have another project, I have another thing to do. It's like just being quiet and still is hard if you've never done it. It's hard to sit in who you are as a person and be like, oh, okay, well, oh, wow, this doesn't feel good. Stuff starts coming up and whatever. So I think it's yeah. it's a reset for it's a reset for a lot of people for sure. Well. This was awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. Where can we 
when this pandemic is over, I don't know if you know any dates or anything, but where can we find you? Where can we see you next? Well, I think right now we had to cancel the tour because we just don't know what the new landscape of stand-up looks like, you know, in terms of social distancing and what venues you can play, you know, in a way that people feel safe enough to come. So we're going to put that on hold. Um, going to be returned to 22 minutes in the fall. So we're still waiting to find out kind of what those dates look like too with the, with this new world kind of thing. So uh, up to that point, you can find me at transcomedy.com and all my social media handles on Instagram and all that stuff are all based there. Uh, at Trent underscore McClellan, Instagram and Twitter. You can find me there. And uh, yeah, podcast going to keep rolling, keep putting out content and uh, forward, always forward. I love it. You know, I had an idea for you guys for this hour has 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. I think that it'd be so cool if, and maybe all of you from the show or whoever could came and did a comedy show like this hour has 22 minutes comedy show in Calgary. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. It would be nice yeah. to get all four of us to get out on the road. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I would, would cool. I would help with media in two seconds with CBC for that. Cause I'm here. Yeah. Um, I could see that happening in a heartbeat with like all the, your fans from before, you know, and coming yeah. kind of like a back home kind of thing. I hope one day that that happens for you. Thank you so much. Yeah. We'd love to do it. It'd be cool to travel with all those people too. I think I can only imagine what would be in cameras behind the scenes, just showing four of us traveling around doing shows. It'd be great. But, uh, yeah, it'd be great. Well, you take care of yourself. Thank you. Take care of yourself and thanks for doing this. And uh, we'll see you on the other side of this new normal thing that we're into right now. All right. I'll bug you later. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Awesome.